Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Nailed it. Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with real round dog talk. We are 2020's best small medium enterprise business advisory podcast in the United States. Thanks to Lux Global Excellence Awards, proudly hosted by Lux Life Magazine. Uh, uh, I, I lost my place. Well, I'm so excited for my Auburn brethren to come on the podcast. Dave Williamson, comedian, pitmaster, host of the Meet Day podcast, former water polo coach. What? Yeah. Cool. This episode what? of Sweat Equity is brought to you by Grasshopper. Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. Gets you $75 off an annual plan. What's Grasshopper, you say? I don't know. It's the entrepreneur's phone app. You can add a second line for your business to side hustle. Don't don't use a Google Voice. You can't advertise with that number. Ooh, you didn't know that, did you? I did because I've heard this ad before. <laughs> don't don't use your personal number for that side hustle. They can just reverse. They can just uh, Google your phone number and find you. Don't do that. Don't answer the phone like who dis. Get a separate line with trygrasshopper.com forward slash sweat. Gets you $75 off an annual plan. Yeah. You're so cool, man. Dude, I, 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 sometimes it just comes to me. Trygrasshopper.com forward slash sweat. Like Key Sweat gets you $75 off an annual plan. Are we ready to get this show started? Yes. Howdy, Tony. What about my sweat equity? Sweat equity. Sweat, 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 sweat equity. My sweat equity. My, my sweat equity. What about my sweat equity? Thanks for coming on, man. I apologize. For I dropped the ball a few times on schedule and you had to come on here. Um, and I'm really <laughs> kicking myself because you were in Auburn, I think, last Tuesday uh, with your, I, I don't know what you call it, your, your tour trailer. With, <laughs> um, yeah, that works. My tour trailer. It's what it is. It's sitting behind me. I don't know. It's like uh, it, you, you basically... It looks like you've taken the page out of Burt Kreischer's tour, put your si- put your face on the side, but you're not. I don't know if you have to sleep in it like he was. I guess. <laughs> uh, I definitely have been sleeping in it. Um, that's kind of function in uh, serving um, because when we started this tour, came together so fast, man. You know, it's like I didn't really have time to logistically you know, go through everything and getting the trailer was a way to uh, allow me to be flexible and fly by the seat of my pants because, you know, I traveled pretty extensively uh, in uh, 2012 with my family and two, uh, my, my wife and two kids uh, for over a year, they toured with me in a travel trailer, a lot bigger than this one, but I just realized how, how flexible it made you where if you don't know how far you're going to make it in one day, you could stop in an RV park and still have all, you know, Wi-Fi and showers and uh, a safe place to sleep, you know? How old were the kids at that point? They were like two and four when we started what? that trip. Oh and my we were God, good God. Talking to a madman. <laughs> and we were supposed to go just for three months, like moving from Miami to LA. But um, 
my wife, yeah, we got team. to LA and she said, I'm having fun. And I sold it to Nickelodeon as a web series. So I made, uh, I, I started booking up work going back across the country. We went, we went across the country back three times and then north to south uh, at least once or twice too. So it was nuts. It, it was the best time of my life though. We had a blast. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Seeing the country by way of uh, doing stand up in an RV, I did it without kids. It was me and three other comics and one of the comics' wives came and we were like, well, they're probably going to get a divorce. Uh, like, <laughs> I don't know how she's going to deal with a rolling fart smell of four oh. dudes in an RV from 1988. Make, make no mistake, man. When we started that trip, I knew it was going to go one of two ways. And I'm just lucky that I have a cool wife. And about two weeks in, I realized this is going to be a good time. I but I was totally prepared for it to uh, <laughs> go, go sideways real fast. I thought it was my way out. <laughs> I, I, I believe I saw that you just had your anniversary. So things are going swimming. 16 years, man. It's wow. crazy. And we dated for like seven or eight years before that. So I've been with my wife for a long time. Did y'all date when uh, you were at Auburn? Yeah, I met her at Auburn. She was a lifeguard. I was the star water polo player. You know, you've heard the story a thousand times. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's so many Danielle Steele grocery store novels about it. <laughs> she pulled me out of the water. <laughs> elbowed in the head and so <laughs> did you do stand up at all i'm i, I always want to kind of uh ask you about do you're the only other comedian i know that went there so it's like r.i.p vic henley i think i don't i never really knew him but uh yeah. but i find it funny because auburn is a weird spot if you're starting to do stand up or have interest in it because it's a fun time but I don't think I met a Jewish person in the four years I was there, which, you know, they know funny. Um, and then like, it's, there's no club there. You, there's no, it's just, you know, you can drive to Atlanta an hour and a half, which is what I did to do open mics. Whoa. Yeah. I didn't start till after, but uh, Auburn definitely played a part in me being um, uh, interested in it. I would say like, I, I I felt like I really um, found myself as like a, uh, as a man at Auburn, I guess, in a way. And I, I uh, had a professor there named uh, Jim McKelly, who's my great books professor. He pulled me aside after class one day and said, uh, hey, man, you're a really good writer. You should consider, um, you know, majoring in English. And one of my biggest regrets in life is I looked this man who just gave me a great compliment, the man I respected in the face, and I told him, I, I said, I would do that, but I want to make money when I grow up. And, and I, I, I didn't mean it so harshly, but that's how you grow up as a kid. You're naive and you don't realize that the way you make money is you chase a passion. If you're in business, it doesn't matter how lucrative it is. You're not going to be successful if you hate what you're doing. And, um, you know, I did end up minoring in creative writing and just really enjoying being creative and realized I was talented at it. And then I started writing for a, a school magazine. Uh, well, an Auburn magazine it wasn't really a school magazine, but uh, the thing I liked to do the most was write funny articles, you know? So I would write articles that proved the thesis I had, but I would make them funny always, you know, I'd find a way to, 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 to have some sort of, like I did an article on tailgating and I wanted to prove that Auburn had the greatest tailgaters in the country and the, the coolest and nicest ones. So I purposely left my wallet at home and didn't have tickets to the game. And I wanted to prove that I could get fed, drunk, and into the game by the end of the day. 
And I just went around meeting people and writing down like who I met along the way. And, you know, I didn't tell them what I was doing, but I just kind of like, you know, politely, you know, uh, met people and told them my situation. And it was a blast, you know, um, you were a grifter. <laughs> I, I was, yeah, I was, I was a mooch. I, you know, I was such a good mooch. <laughs> Which really pre prepared me for being poor as a stand-up comic for many, many years. <laughs> Still use those skills today. Uh, yeah. I, I'd be remiss if I didn't throw out your dates. You're, you've got uh, – are you in Mississippi right now? Or are you on your I, Dude, man, my – you would, wouldn't believe – people are always like, oh, are you where so-and-so? And I'm like, oh, I'm in Boston. They're like, I thought you were just in Birmingham two days ago. Like, yeah, the driving's been aggressive. Yeah, this I'm, is a silly <laughs> route. Um, it, it, since you were last in Birmingham last Thursday, you went to Columbus, Ohio. Then yeah, uh, I'm in Northern Indiana right now. <laughs> oh, cool, neat. And then you go to Mississippi, and then I gotta go to Mississippi. Uh, I gotta get there by late Friday night. I'm gonna shoot content on After Saturday being and do in Birmingham. <laughs> yeah. and then trust me, I I wish it had lined up better. But when I put this tour together super fast. And was reaching You're out to people. Mushroom. I had to just be like, what works for you? And I had to just take what works for them, you know? Denver, um, Denver, Colorado, Boulder, Colorado, Eagle, Colorado, Grand Junction, Colorado. At least you jammed those together. Uh, and uh, Phoenix, Arizona, Bakersfield, California. You're going to try to keep this thing going? Or uh, it, it, you're, this leg's kind of donezo after July 2nd? Well, so... I hope to triumphantly ride back into Los Angeles on July 3rd, have a show somewhere in LA. I'm trying to put together on July 3rd, which would be perfect because it's Saturday night and then 4th of July is the next day. So what better time to have a barbecue show for all my friends in LA and celebrate a successful tour. And then I would like to do the show that I'm doing because the show's a little different, right? This tour, I'm doing my headline hour, uh, which is really fun. It's been, we've all haven't really able to, you know, regularly do headline hours for over a year, obviously the pandemic. So it's fun, like sculpting my new hour, but then I do a, um, uh, Q and a with whatever the pit master or restaurant owner, whoever they are at the barbecue restaurant I'm performing at. So, you know, it, it's, it's a little bit of a, of a different show than I normally would do. And yeah, I would definitely like to do these shows in the future. I don't know if I'll do a tour like I'm doing with driving the trailer around the country, but now that I've proved the concept and realized it's fun and it's something people want to see, I could certainly fly to Florida, rent a car, and then drive to three or four cities, you know, like you normally would do doing theater runs or something, and just do four barbecue restaurants in four different parts of Florida and then fly home, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's, so this is, I find this all interesting, the way you kind of cook this tour together. Oh, God. Hey, now. Uh, oh. Man, fucking nailed that shit. Yeah, we... Yeah, uh, man, you really, you really spoke that pun, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm dad jokes. About. Um, we're both dads on this side, so he's Eric's trying to pretend like he doesn't like it, but he loves I it. I kind of love it. Um, yeah. but you're doing, you're not doing stand up at uh, conventional clubs or or theaters or anything. It's at barbecue smokehouses, at restaurants. I saw a picture from uh, a brewing. Uh, 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 Avon, a Avondale Brewing in uh, Birmingham, right? Yeah, and it looked like yeah. it was interesting. It's uh, I love the avant-garde style of just guerrilla style, putting this together and going. All right, I've got I'm a I'm a good stand-up comedian, and I've got this other thing that needs to kind of merge and blend together. 
which is your your pit master pit mastery um is that a word <laughs> if not it is now i'm I like buying it. it i'm buying it um and you're you're merging the two things together i'm guessing is there a strong barbecue nerd scene like I, I, oh, big time! I, I would say it's kind of like got to be like the brewery, like probably one of the cooler nerd scenes. I'd say. Oh, yeah. before I forget, we got to get you involved in the Tampa Pig Jig. It's uh, somehow uh, it's over in October. We'll we'll do that off off oh, mic. Yeah. But but you should be involved in that if that is a bit because it is a big uh, barbecue festival here where Darius Rucker Hootie is. Uh, oh yeah, very nice. Yeah, you know, law. What it is, man, is that. Uh, I wanted to go tour. I've had a blast um, leaning into the barbecue content, especially through the pandemic. I mean, I I got really into it like five or six years ago, but the pandemic really ramped things up since we were all home and I had time to sit home and cook a lot. Um, And then uh, touring with Bert, you know, I've I've been able to merge the two also because I cook when we're touring in the tour bus a lot. So the barbecue and comedy has just like naturally come together for me over the past few years. And I have built a bit of a fan base in the barbecue community. So when I knew I was getting the vaccine and I didn't have anything on my calendar till August, but I knew I'd be vaccinated by April or May. I was like, I don't want to sit in my ass and everyone's fighting for comedy club dates right now. And there's not enough to go around. So I was like, well, how can I go, you know, perform for people who want to see me? And the thing that made the most sense was going to barbecue restaurants. And then that way I get to help them and uplift them and give them an, uh, you know, um, uh, a successful night and some of these are on like monday tuesday wednesday night so they wouldn't have been that busy on those nights and we're, we're creating um you know an event for them to where they're selling selling a barbecue plate um to 40 or 50 people and, and helping helping also just um give them visibility because we're shooting content and posting it all along the way so um it, it's been a blast man uh, i I whole will definitely whether it's touring like this or not will definitely continue to merge barbecue and comedy uh, moving forward. Yeah, no, I, I love it. Uh, and from uh, selfishly, from our perspective, we we think there's a lane to have, you know, kind of entrepreneurial business talk and and comedy kind of mixed too, and a a real dialogue where it doesn't really exist now. And that so it kind of I look at what you're doing as a kind of merging of two kind of genres is working out and there's definitely an audience there that is untapped probably for you right now well it it happened so organically and almost accidentally just because i i didn't sit down and think like what's something that i can put on instagram to get attention i literally just got hell-bent on learning barbecue and uh, got passionate about barbecue and then once it started getting me attention it already made sense with my act because you know I, I'm I'm a comic who talks about being a dad and I'm a I'm a dude you know so you know it, it just makes sense in my I don't necessarily do jokes about barbecue in my act but when you look at me or hear my story or hear me being very you know truthful on stage you that guy I'm knows sure barbecue. picture me <laughs> flipping flipping burgers For like sure. at a barbecue you know. Do people come up to you like they do just in general with stand-up, but are they coming up to you with like barbecue nerd? Like, Hey, do you have any porcelain, uh, big green egg jokes? Like, like very specific. People definitely are wondering whether I have some barbecue bits in my act and I haven't, but a result of this tour is it's starting to seep in. I I've written a few jokes and I've been trying it out and and it's definitely finding its way into my, I now I have tons of stories and funny, 
quips and things like that uh, just from doing my podcast, Meet Dave, um, and just knowing barbecue people. Like, there's certainly a lot to, to explore. But as far as turning it into actual material, that's still a work in progress. And you guys say it, if you want to do it, they do an intro like we do. Meet Dave. Um, yeah. That's why you do that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I listened. Um, and so with Meet Dave, I feel like I was in the ideation phase. So uh, I want to say thanks for sneaking me into uh, Kreischer's show in the Tampa <laughs> Theater a couple of years ago. Uh, and I remember talking to you about like doing a podcast and – I, I, it was the first time I saw you, I think, or knew you were grilling outside of Bert's bus every night. Yeah. And I was telling Eric before we started, before he heated the mics on, I was like, I felt almost like a little kid with my dad <laughs> fucking it up. You're like, here, hold this. And I was like, Ugh. don't hold it that way. I was like, blah, 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 blah. Like, you know, like uncoordinated, <laughs> like, oh, shit. Sorry, man. Um, and just, uh, but I remember talking to you that night and uh, you were talking about, yeah, maybe I, I should do a, a podcast about it. I was like, dude, uh, you, I was trying to get you to come to our studio. That wasn't too far uh, away, but I think y'all had a date the next day. But I was like, you should definitely do one. Do one about – I remember talking to you about a podcast about barbecuing, but uh, I, it definitely didn't happen overnight like that. You got 50 episodes in the can, I think. Uh, yeah, just had my 50th with Malcolm Reed. who I'm, That's who I'm driving down to see in Mississippi. Uh, you know, speaking of, you know, the, these worlds and, and content and whatever, he's been one of the best dudes at it. Uh, his YouTube channels got, you know, over a million subscribers and he puts out um, tutorials and, you know, is, is just a, a guy who's really crushing the content game when it comes to barbecue and has a lot of credibility and people really respect, you know, his ability. So I'm excited on there. This Oh, no. What do you think Dave was going to say? He was going to say, you guys are crushing the podcast game. I'm just swimming in your wake. I think he's coming back. Oh, yeah. Oh. All right, now. Sorry about that. When when did I cut out? Um, I don't know. I was worried about riffing what you were saying. <laughs> um, Samesies. <laughs> um. Something well, what I was talking about was, uh, so, so, uh, my 50th episode of my podcast yeah. was with Malcolm Reed, the out of barbecue, right guy. Yeah, yes. And, uh, that's who I'm going to see this weekend. Um, I'm going to go down to his, uh, complex where he shoots all his content and he's a guy who's really set the standard for, uh, barbecue content. He's got over a million subscribers on YouTube and puts out awesome tutorials every week and, uh, really, uh, walks the walk. Doesn't just talk the talk cause he's winning barbecue competitions and stuff. So. Uh, I'm excited to not just go down there and do a show and hang out, but also to learn from him in the way that he does content. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, it's interesting. Uh, this is good for our audience to listen to because it, it's supposed to be kind of really pragmatic entrepreneurial advice. Um, and what's interesting about it is you're a grown ass man going out of your way mm -hmm. to ask people, Hey, can I, can you come on my podcast? Can you, can we do some, some content together or can I see your process and all that stuff being very curious. I, I find that interesting. Uh, ever feel vulnerable trying to go on a limb uh, with either the tour or trying to get some people on the podcast or you're just like, nah, man, this is, this is no, a hundred percent, man. Totally feel vulnerable. Uh, it discouraged, you know, but 
Um, I think a lot of what I learned from sports, you know, I played water polo and I coach water polo still. And I, I try to tell those things to the kids, your life lessons. And you got to remind, remind yourself sometimes that, you know, if you believe in what you're doing, then, I mean, you're going to have a lot of no's along the way. We definitely know that in the comedy world, like you can't stop on just a few no's or a few things that don't work out. And most often than not, man, something that's worth doing, it's going to find a way to work out this tour. Threw it together so like you know last minute and and with just a lot of faith and there's been some nights where I only have like 17 pre-sold tickets and I'm heading to town and I go man oh I go I, I just I'm I just I'm like embarrassed oh. you know and then I get there and we end up with 40 or 50 people and it's an awesome show and you know a couple of them we only have had like 20 people and it's still been an awesome show you know yeah um so you just have to have faith man there hasn't been a single one of the shows so far in this tour that that night I didn't look back and go tonight was awesome. And I just need to remind myself when I'm worried about the ticket sales and it, it all works out, man. You know, it, it, now if I, let's say I didn't like uh, barbecue, let's say it was all a big sham. Let's just say I was using this to, let's say I was using this just to further my career. Then if I went there and only 20 people showed up or I didn't get like mega famous or a TV show from doing this tour, I would be really disappointed. And I'd be like, this was a waste of time. But since I'm doing it because it's something I genuinely love, and yeah, those are my goals. I want to knock it out of the park and all that other stuff. But it, it's a success no matter what because it's something worth investing my time in because it's something I give a shit about. Yeah, yeah. It, um, you know, uh, do the thing you love. You'll never work a day in your life, yada, yada, yada kind of stuff. But I think part of it's trying to fit- <laughs> write it off. Well, I yada, mean, yada, yada. I mean, it's just wow, such wow. a like an easy quote, you know. It's such a simplistic quote that it's like, yeah. Well, I okay. haven't heard it said that I like way. Mastur- I like masturbating, so uh, you know, I can't make a career out of it, can I? Only fans. Um, uh, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, uh, well, I, I want to ask you this: um, before you got into stand up, you're like the you're from Miami, but like the least Miami guy I know from Miami. Wow. <laughs> All right. I mean, no, well, I the mean, mustache is you're out. Yeah, yeah. Out of Miami. You know, I think you know what I mean. You're not like uh, you're not the nightclub guy. You're not the uh, you're not Cuban. Uh, or I I, I, th- I think you're calling me super white is what you're doing. Well, the stash where you look like Randy Johnson doesn't. Um... I know I definitely don't have the Miami vibe going on these days. But to be fair, growing up in the thick of Miami. I, this is what my dad and my uncles and all their buddies look like going out to hooligans pub and drink a beer. So uh, I, I probably look more old school Miami these days than, than actually, current I mean, Miami. You know what? But you, I take may- that back. You actually look like one of the guys interviewed in cocaine cowboys. Like, right. all <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the pilot, right? One of the cops. Mickey Monday, dude. Hey, but make no mistake, man. My Miami roots run deep. Like my album, dude, I got just like your logo. Oh, I know, man. I was, I was like, the branding. I got the oh, yeah. I got the Miami branding on that dude, and then my my uh, rub that I just came out with. I got the Miami branding on that man. I, I love the Miami colors and the Miami, you know, exotic feel, and uh, you know, boating and going down the Bahamas and and hitting the bars and the clubs and eating good Cuban food and drinking cafe con leche and colada. Yeah, yeah, man, it's jet fuel. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah they, no, they I, I, I feel what you're saying. That, and and when I went to Auburn, they all called me Miami Dave because maybe today as a 40 year old man, I don't seem like I have a big Miami vibe. But trust me, in those college years, I showed up with a wife beater and a 
a leopard skin <laughs> shirt over it, open, and I had a guy shirt. And I, I had a I had a uh, tiger, a gold plated tiger shark necklace. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, with a with a shark tooth on it. I had some deep Miami vibes going then. Miami Dave. I'm getting a boner, dude. That's amazing. That's an amazing outfit. The, uh, uh, well, I wanted to kind of ask you, I, so my first exposure to you was through Bert's, uh, podcast. And I, 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 I don't know how I, I have a, a terrible memory, but for stuff like this, I, I put it, I can, I remember distinctly used to sell cars, right? Used to, uh, yeah. yeah. And I remember my family's, my family's in the car business still to this day down in Miami. Yeah, and I found that fascinating because I've never actually heard anybody talk about selling cars uh, in um, almost a gracious kind of way, uh, the way you were talking about it. And I remember you saying, for advice, try to be friends with the sales guy. Don't try to work him. Don't try to see if you can – don't work against him and try to get a deal that way. Don't try yeah. to argue. It's like, when a, it's like when a heckler at a comedy show, the heckler's like, you're not funny. I'm funnier than you. You're not going to win. You know, like the comic is seasoned. He's, he's on stage every night. Like he's going to get you if you give him a reason to get you. Right. right? And, and, and if the comic comes out as being a dick and the comic is picking on an audience member, then the audience member has every right to then be vocal. But when the comic's just doing his job, making jokes and you are heckling, then the comics like, like it's, it's open season. So it's the same way with sales guys. We're there every day. I know about selling cars more than you know about buying cars. And, you know, the, the dealerships that we've, you know, built and, and uh, you know, anywhere that's got like reputable guys, they don't want to rip anybody off. They want to help the customer. They want, they want a good exchange to where the customer's happy with the deal they got and that the dealership's happy to have a new customer and, and you know, uh, is happy with the sale themselves, right? But when you come in and the first thing you do is you look at that salesman and go, I'm not buying today. You can try, but I'm not buying it. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, I brought my uncle with me. He's a car buying expert. He's bought lots of cars and da, da, da. And you just keep throwing that gauntlet down. There's only a matter of time before I snap and go, oh, you're not buying a car today? We'll see. Yeah. And now, and now, now I go into sales mode and now it's a challenge to try to close you today, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Any any advice on that? Because I, I I find that fascinating when you turn a no into a yes. Is that uh, any kind of any story or kind of advice on that? How to do that? Well, you know the golden rule in in good salesmanship is just um, you know there's a couple of simple things and the ones that I can remember from way back then are just you need to find out what the obstacles are going to be. So it's as simple as saying, hey, what would stop you from buying? Are you guys planning on buying a car today? No, not today. I'm just looking. Well, what, what's stopping you from buying a car today? Oh, my wife needs to see it because, you know, she's a part of the decision. Okay. Now I tuck that away in my brain. And uh, at some point I'm going to say, where does your wife work? And you're going to say, oh, right. Actually, right across the street. Well, now when we're on the, the, the let's go drive a new now, car. Now when we're on the test drive, I'm going to say, pull in there. Let's show it to your wife. And, you know, he's going to be like, oh, good idea. Brilliant. Well, we just overcame that obstacle. And there's no, I'm not doing it to be deceitful or tricking him or anything, but I'm just helping him overcome an obstacle that he laid down, you know? Uh, and we just did. And now his wife sees it and she can chime in whether she likes it or not, you know? Um, you know, or whatever the obstacle is, you can start getting ahead of it. You know, if it's money down, if it's the, if it's the, um, the, the, the trading, whatever it is, you can start working towards overcoming those obstacles that they think they have. That's just good salesmanship. It's not uh, 
trickery. It's not being deceitful or a scam artist. It's just, you know, helping set up what will make a sale happen. And, you know, the, the old cliche is always selling yourself, not just the car. So, you know, to gain the trust, you need to, to, to build a relationship with that person and make them believe you. So they do feel comfortable maybe uh, taking the leap and, and, and closing on a, a deal sooner rather than later. Yeah. People buy with emotion uh, and credibility adds into that factor. But also you're doing uh, what I would say is you're just listening, which is something a lot of salespeople think they do and they don't really so important, man. You could talk yourself out of a sale so easy, man. You got to you gotta say what you need to say, but then shut up and let them ask questions or let them fill in the, the, the space for sure, man. You can talk yourself out of a sale. Real People do that all the time too when they're almost closed. Like they're, You, you got to present the numbers and then just sit back and wait. Right. You can't be the first one to talk, you know? You can let them sit there and think it out. Um, That's an old philosophical it, thing, right? Like you lay down the deal and the first one that moves loses kind of thing in that. Yeah. Well, and you know, for me too, and I, I've, I've taken this to a lot of different walks in life is um, a lot of sales guys too. One of the most important steps is asking for the sale. So when you've just gone through all the hard work to pick out the perfect car, to overcome the obstacles they thought they had to go to test drive, build emotion, build trust. Um, and everything's perfect. Don't you, you know, don't just sit there and let them like, you know, uh, be overwhelmed. You have to look them in the face and it's polite. Look them in the face and say, if the numbers work out, are you going to buy this car today? Right. You know, or are you ready to take this car home? You have to ask for the sale, you know? It's so icky though. I, I, I think it, I, we're all salespeople. I, I, I think that, I, I don't think it's icky. I think it's what you were alluding to earlier is it's a vulnerable moment because now as the yeah. salesperson, you're possibly going to hear no, yeah. you know? And if you say no, then you say, okay, well, tell me how I can be of assistance. Do you need yeah. to go home and think about it? You call me tomorrow, you come back with your wife, what will help? I mean, what's icky is if you, um, you know, uh, lose your patience or hit them over the head or lie to get a sale. That's what's icky. Yeah. But just being a good sales, when I go to buy a big screen TV or something for my house, I hope I have a good salesman. Like yeah. I want someone to talk like because my brain's going, oh man, I should take that money and do something, whatever. But I want someone to to help me, yeah. like wrap my brain you, around you buying something intent. that I emotionally really want. You know? Yeah, to see that passion flowing through, and they're actually excited to sell something to you. It's like, okay, yeah, I'm down. You know, that's, that's way better. Yeah, and and all you're doing when you're listening is you're if you wanted to do a textbook style, it'd be like you're finding pain points and then figuring out solutions, but not trying to solve right away. Right. You, you probably come back to that after building a rapport because then yeah. you're not going to build credibility for him to listen to any, her, him or her to listen to it for any answers. Him. Yeah, pretty much. Dude, yeah. The best story I have with that is one time I was in a little bit of a slump. I uh, struck out quite a few customers in a row and I tried to like, um, come up with a plan where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to try to just have fun. Uh, so I go, next customer I get, I'm going to try to not talk about buying a car for as long as possible. So there's a <laughs> customer slowly driving through the lot in a minivan. And it was a woman with her kids in the car. And they're just kind of like, like very shy with the window barely. And so I walk up to their car and they're like really reluctant. And she rolls the window down to right here. And I go, how's it going? 
And she's like, we're good. And I go, what you guys up to? And she's like, oh, we're just looking um, to see if you guys have a specific car. And I go, well, we got a lot of cars. I go, but it's a good day to enjoy this weather. And I just started, every time she tried to talk about the, the car, rainbow. I, tried to, <laughs> I, I tried to talk about something different, right? So I think that disarmed her, like, uh, her, 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 you know, her shield that was up. And so they get out and they're looking for a specific car. And uh, she's like, well, we found a PT Cruiser down the street and we're about to buy it. But we just decided to drive over to see if you maybe had one. So we're just looking for a pre-owned PT Cruiser. And uh, I go, well, you know, I looked in the inventory and I go, we don't have one here. But I have one at our other dealership. I'll go get it and drive it back here. But you guys need to promise me that you come back in like an hour to actually look at it. Because I'm going to be wasting my time driving up there and bringing it here if you don't. She's like, I promise. I won't buy the other one until I see yours. She goes, the only thing is it can't be red. Of course, ours was red. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. So, but it was like, it was listed as like an off red or something. So I go, maybe they'll like it if they see it. So whatever. I drive up, I get it. I bring it down. Already planted seed. I go, hey, it's, it's, it, it's not red. It's lipstick. That's <laughs> 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 what I said. And, and so they show up. And we'd built such a rapport. Like they really wanted to buy the car from me and not the other guy down the street. So when they showed up and they saw that it was a shade of red, they talked themselves. They go, you know, this really isn't red. It's more lipstick, right? There you go. go. That's what I'm saying, you know? Guilt and so, <laughs> so they uh, they bought the car and uh, I got in the car with them and drove it over to their grandma's house down by Coconut Grove and the whole neighborhood came out. I stayed for dinner and all that stuff. And <laughs> what? These, what? And Wait, what? These and that that family car salesman procedure let me tell you that family i sold them at least three or four more cars they were like really close friends with me after that um it was all just because that one day that i went out and i played that little game with my head just to get myself out of the funk where i was like i'm not going to talk about selling a car i'm going to go out and just connect with someone as a human being you know and and it totally worked and i'm still friends with them to this day What? Every time I go back to Miami, I I stop by. (laughs) We go PT. Okay. (laughs) That's awesome. All right. Yeah, you're a good salesman. Um, Well, Well, it's just like anything. It's comedy. It's barbecue. It's car sales. It's not about the product or or the salesmanship. It's about the people. And when you have passion about something or when you're trying to connect with people on a personal level, that's what's more important than the actual thing, you know? These barbecue restaurants, I see it so often, man. They are successful because they care about the food. It's not a diner where they're just pumping out, you know, greasy burgers or a chicken place that's just got a cool logo. It's if you're going to choose barbecue as the genre and you're going to be successful at it, it's because you give a shit because barbecue is a high degree of difficulty to pull off. So anyone that's willing to go in the middle of the night to start their food and, and cook all night long, and, and I, it's, a, it's a genre that's very hard to estimate food inventory and to get the right kind of smokers and the right kind of wood. And it's just, I mean, these guys are tired, man. And they go day in, day out. It's laborious. they're proud of and, their place. And it, it's what makes barbecue restaurants so much to me. Well, huh? um... What's it called? We we got to ask you one question before we uh, we get off here. Um, and we ask everybody that comes on the podcast for the first time uh, this question. I'll put you in a long line of Auburn geniuses, Tim Cook. 
Bo Jackson, Frank Thomas, who have not Charles Barkley, Dave, Dave Williamson. This, uh, I like what, it. What advice would you give your 13 year old self? Ooh, I like that. Nice. Uh, I would tell myself, um, I was always, and I still am, all about having fun and having experiences. But I would tell myself to pay attention a little bit more in situations that better myself, <laughs> uh, such as um, I spent years in Spanish class between high school and college, and I cannot, I cannot speak a lick of Spanish today. Right? I wasted all that time. You know, I, I, I as a young kid, I could have, um, you know, played the guitar and stuck with that and. You know, there's just so many things that I wish I had um, seen through um, that I didn't. Uh, so I, I maybe would tell myself to, to to do that kind of stuff. Yeah, follow through to the end. Yeah. Might right be on. my favorite answer, Dave. Yeah. yeah it's definitely <laughs> have paid attention in Spanish class. Now, I will tell you this. When I was in Spanish class in Miami in high school, I, can uh, I was... I was the worst. I was the biggest gringo, as Law already uh, alluded to earlier. So I'd be in Spanish class in Miami, like, uh, de gracias, un amigo, you know, and they'd be like, oh, my God, it's barely squeaking through with Ds. And then I went to Auburn, and I was in Spanish, too, since I'd already taken a thing. And I'm like, gracias, un amigo. And they're like, this kid's a whiz kid. Wow. He's a savant. Yeah. He speaks perfect Spanish. <laughs> Take him to the biblioteca. Yeah. <laughs> well, right on, man. I appreciate you coming on war Eagle and thanks, man. Uh, uh, I love it. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I, I'm tickled pink. You wore that for uh, this interview, man. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll, we'll be uh, cheering you on from afar. Thanks, man. If anyone uh, wants to come out to one of these barbecue shows, like Law said, man, there's one left in Denver uh, I'm stopping by the Boulder Comedy Festival for a few days. That's not my barbecue show. It's just going to be regular sets. But the comedy sh barbecue shows are in Denver, Eagle, Colorado, Grand Rapids, or Grand Junction, Colorado, and then Phoenix at Little Miss Barbecue, which is an awesome spot, over to Bakersfield at Salty's Barbecue. And then I'm coming home to L.A. And if you want to buy my all-purpose rub, you can do it at DaveWilliamson.com. And L.A. show, before I forget, Nick Hoff does that freeway comedy show on Saturday night. So you might be able to do it. done it, man. It's awesome. He does a great job with it. That might be a good one to do. Uh, Not a bad idea. All right, buddy. Not a bad idea. Appreciate it. Thanks, man. All right, man. Love you guys. What about my <laughs> Love you.